What's up, everyone, and welcome to the show. Before we get this episode started, I want to talk to you guys about Ready Nutrition. Ready Nutrition is for athletes who love to outwork the odds. They are a sports nutrition brand that not only has great products, but more importantly, has a great message, and that is why I am super grateful to be working with them as a brand ambassador. Anyone that knows me knows that I am very particular about what I put into my body. I want minimal ingredients, no sugar, all natural and high protein foods that help fuel my workouts and my day, and Ready Nutrition is exactly that. They have a full lineup of supplements like protein powder, protein bars, protein puffs, and protein water. The Ready Protein Water is one of the most unique items I've ever seen. There is no sugar, 1 gram of carbs, 0 grams of fat, and 15 grams of protein per bottle. They are the perfect pre or post workout drink or if you just need a snack with extra protein. Oh, and they taste amazing. I want to work with brands who share the same values as me, and Ready Nutrition does exactly that. Hard work conquers all, and it's not about where you start, it's about where you finish. I have a special offer for all my listeners. If you go to readyismade.com and use my referral code, ANTHONYP20, you can save 20% off your first order. Then, once you love the product as much as I do, you can go back to readyismade.com and order more while using my code in the referral box when you get to checkout. This will help support me and also help Ready Nutrition know who sent you. I wouldn't recommend a product if I didn't fully believe in it, so head to readyismade.com and try it out today. That's readyismade.com, R-E-A-D-Y-I-S-M-A-D-E. Dot com and use my referral code Anthony P twenty A N T H O N Y P twenty to save twenty percent off your first order and then when you go back enter my code again in the referral box and that shows that you support me and it also shows that you support Ready Nutrition. I appreciate it. Um, I think you guys are gonna love the products just as much as I do. I definitely would give it a try, especially the protein water. It's one of the one of the best products I've ever used, and, and I've used a lot over the course of my life. I appreciate you guys. Let's dive into the episode. All right, so I have a very special guest today. I've coached Damon Altizer. I'm really, really excited to uh, to talk to you today, and um, talk to a lot, a lot, of, a lot of the different things I want to talk to you about because. I'm a big fan of like everything you do and and uh, how you do things and stuff like that. So first things first, though, as always, I just kind of want to give you the floor and and kind of talk about your background and and what you're currently doing. Obviously, I know, but maybe some people might not know. So just kind of talk about that, and then we'll uh, go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, I uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for thinking of me. Um, and uh, kind of like you said, I've I've been in training for, geez, a long, longer than what I almost even want to admit now. Um, it seems like it was only yesterday when I, when I first started. Um, but I, uh, I walked on in college at the University of Virginia. Um, when I finished up there, I actually had an engineering job and kind of moved back to near where my hometown was. And some, you know, some parents actually reached out and said, you know, we know that you played. Would you be willing to work with, work with our kids? Uh, I'd worked with some guys when I was in high school, uh, specifically like Gannon Baker and some different guys at, at like five star back in its heyday. Um, and just quickly found a passion and knew that being in the gym was where I wanted to be. Um, 
And, you know, since then it's been just been very fortunate to travel kind of all over the country and all over the world. I working with, working with players in camps and clinics. And then now, um, you know, host a lot of stuff here in Virginia. Been very fortunate the past couple of years to have some guys who, who've played at UVA, um, you know, specific clients like Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, who obviously went on this past year to be, you know, first round picks. And so it's been fun, man. When I, you know, when I first started this thing, whatever it was, eight or nine years ago, just wanted to, to work with players. And it was just, and I knew I wanted to be in the gym. I had no idea where it would take me. And then I've just been blessed to, to literally travel over the world and work with players of from all ages and skill levels, from those who are trying to make their middle school teams to now, you know, be just being very fortunate to have guys that are, you know, in the NBA. Um, and it's, you know, every single day I wake up and just couldn't be more thankful that this is, this is my quote job. Um, because it certainly never yeah. feels like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand. And I'm, I mean, obviously I'm young, I'm young and I'm kind of just getting started, but I'm the same idea. I'm the same way I should say. I, um, I, I can't believe that, you know, I, I get to make money, you know, through basketball and get to pay bills through basketball. Like that to me is, is unbelievable. And I know I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm very, very fortunate and I'm very, very, you know, thankful that I have that opportunity because I can't, I could never imagine myself working like a nine to five job, you know, right, like it, right. it's just, it's just cause growing up basketball was all I knew and all I did, you know? So like, it's almost like that would be a complete culture shock in terms of okay you know now you're done with school you know go to work a desk job from you know monday to friday nine to five it's like nah i don't think i could ever do that right but no i wanted to i wanted to ask you too are you still a head coach at a high school yeah so i am i uh coaching high school was never really never really set out for that to for that to happen um and then i was i was helping out at a high school and i've kind of I'd always kind of gone that route and I mean, it is what it is. Gym space is obviously, is obviously a premium when you're in player development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so this will be my second year. And before last year, the head coach kind of, he stepped down and just kind of fell in my lap. And, you know, the athletic director at the school said, Hey, would you be interested? And so, well, I'll, well, I'll give it a shot. Um, again, like I said, it wasn't, wasn't something I was really seeking out, but then at the same time, it, uh, would be, you know, being passionate about the game and, you know, always looking for, for a new challenge. Um, when it came my way, it was kind of a, kind of a no brainer to see, Hey, let's, let's see how this side goes as well. Um, and obviously still, even what we do at the school, um, at the prep school, it's player development is such a huge piece of it, uh, working with high school guys. Um, but then at the same time, I feel like with player development being my full-time job, you know, being in there on the coaching side makes me better in that regard as well. Um, it kind of, you know, it opens your eyes to a lot of different things and, I certainly feel like, you know, doing player development, but then also coaching at the same time, like obviously they work very well together, but one makes you better at the other and the other makes you better at the first one as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always wondered that cause I think there's a lot of like diff like differences as far as, you know, being like a good coach and then being a good player development. But then again, I've, I've had some people on, I've talked to them and, and they've kind of opened my eyes with some different perspectives in terms of they're really not as different as you would think. You know, I mean, I know I, I kind of thought they were like, like growing up, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to be a coach. You know, I I really, I I just, I watched basketball differently. I, I studied basketball differently. I was obsessed with it from like a different like perspective, you know, like I didn't love like the, the flashy mixtapes. Like I loved watching good sets, you know, and and I know that sounds like, especially today, that sounds like, 
oh my God, like something must have been wrong with you. Like, that, 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 you know, that's not, that's not normal. You know, I wasn't the, the ball is life and the hoop mixtape. I didn't watch that. Like I would watch like coaching clinics, like when I was in like middle school, <laughs> like through high right, school, because right. like, I just loved to learn about it. And I loved how the, if you run an offense and how good it looks and how you get open shots. And I, I, just, I, I love that. So I wanted to be a coach and then kind of when I got to college and, you know, I started, you know, getting into some workout stuff and some player development stuff, I kind of was like, I already look at it from like a different angle. So now I'm really going to start like watching like specific players and, and kind of like the pattern that they do and with the moves and the finishes and all the stuff they do and see if I could help, you know, apply at the time it was a higher level player. So I was like, I could hope that, you know, I could show him these, these finishes and this footwork and stuff like that. And that's when I kind of realized like, okay, so they are pretty different. And that's why kind of to this day, I, I don't really know if I want to coach, but then again, it's kind of weird because this time of the year is slow, you know, with kids being back in school. So I'm sure that's kind of, I know you travel and whatnot more than anybody. So I mean, I'm sure you had opportunities or, you know, whatever the case may be, but it's weird because like this time of the year is, is kind of, you know, not, a, not, it's not, I don't want to say slow because it, you could make it, you know, uh, there's different opportunities I should say to, as far as, you know, camps and clinics and holiday stuff, there's tons of chances, but it's kind of like, it's not the summer. So like, it kind of had me thinking like, you know what, it would be kind of nice to have something kind of during this quote unquote downtime. Right. Yeah. And it's, especially now um obviously you know being married and and having kids and kind of taking making that transition as well uh career-wise and then just life-wise as well uh, you know kind of there are opportunities and there have been opportunities to travel uh you know in november and december um but one like you said it is it is slower uh but doing the for me doing the high school thing it kind of enables me to make sure that i i'm here um you know, I'm with my family. I'm here in Virginia during the holidays. Obviously, like I would never miss Christmas or anything like that. But it's not. There were times years ago where, you know, right after that, I may go somewhere. Um, and now, you know, again, just very fortunate to not, not necessarily feel like I have to. Uh, you know, time is time is everything to me. And that's kind of one of the benefits, one of the big, biggest benefits of not working a nine to five and not having somebody else dictate, you know, dictate my schedule to me. Um, yeah, I just value value time with my family, you know, so, so, so much. Um, and then, you know, kind of like you were touching on with the, this is a slower time. The high school season enables me to coaching high school enables me to stay, to stay local that time of year. Um, because like you said, I mean, summer, summer is pretty crazy for all of us. Um, it's, it's a very, very, very busy time. Yeah, no, I, I, if if it's not a busy time, then you must not really be for it. <laughs> you know, you right, must, right, right. you must not be built for it. If if you're not in the gym from nine to nine on any during the summer, you're you're really not. <laughs> I think maybe you should find another job. Right. But, um, <laughs> no, I I wanted to talk to you about like so like what is it like you know traveling you know around the country and you know teaching basketball. I've I've seen you know, you guys like you and Mike Shaughnessy and Tim Martin and different guys like that, that do travel and, and things like that. And I I think it's so interesting because I feel like you bring such new, you know, ideas and concepts to some of these parts of the world that have no idea. And, you know, we kind of take it for granted. So I feel like it it would be like an awesome experience, not only to kind of teach basketball, but kind of to introduce, I guess you could say like something new, to like a, a different group of people. So like, what, like, what is that like? 
Yeah, it's so, I mean, you touched on it there. It's, it's so fun to introduce, you know, the way that when I say we, like America, we being America, like the way that we coach and play and train. And then at the same time, I, I feel like it makes you, it makes you so much better as a coach or as a trainer. Um, I've done some clinics in like Brazil and Germany and China and no matter where you go, the the response is different, but at the same time, the learning style is different. And, you know, China is a different, very, very different country than Brazil. And in China, it's so regimented. And obviously, I mean, it's, you know, communist country and you can put, you can put players in 10 different spots and give them a rotation and, you know, A goes to B and B goes to C and C goes to D and they, you know, first time through, they pick it up um, where, you know, here in the States, sometimes teaching a rotation at a camp can be the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of, that's the background that they come from. Um, but at the same time, like free thinking and if X, then, you know, Y or Z, then it gets a little bit more chaotic where, whereas in Brazil, like teaching rotations, you better, if you're going to do something with multiple, you know, eight or 10 guys on one court, like there better just be two lines because rotations, like that's just, that just wasn't going to happen. I mean, all that, all that being said with both of those instances, it's with, players who don't understand what you're speaking, um, the language you're speaking. So it really makes you figure out the, the simplest and most efficient way to, you know, to share the information that you're trying to share while all while, you know, all the while learning that, Hey, these, these players, they may, they're used to being taught differently than players are in the States. And they may, there may be things in the States that we've done for years that they've never seen before. Um, so it's so, I mean, you said it like it's, it's so awesome to see the reception from those players because they're, they're typically extremely excited to, you know, to get to work with American coaches. Um, and at the same time, it makes you, in my opinion, it makes you so much better as a coach, like to learning those different learning styles. There is the language barrier. Uh, you can't, you can't always use terminology that we may see as standard. Uh, you know, you have to use basic terminology that's easily translatable. So there's, there's kind of a number of different factors that go into it that one, make you a better coach. But then again, like you said, at the same time, the reception is always just, it's just awesome watching how excited these kids are to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like how, how long does it take you to, to plan? Like if, so if you got a call from wherever China, we use China for example, and they wanted you to come, I don't, I don't know, however long they would usually contact you beforehand. How long would it take you to prepare for something like that? I just feel like that would be like something you would have to have everything down to the T, but then I also feel like you would have to have kind of wiggle room just to kind of go off the dome because I feel like things always don't go as we, as we plan. Right. And that's kind of like you said there, it's a lot of times, a lot of times when you go to foreign countries, um, you know, the coaches who are there, whoever's organizing it, they, they kind of give you a, you know, a recommendation of the level of the players, but you can be extremely well prepared for what you're going into. And then you get there and, you know, what you may have put together may be one way above the level of the players or two at the same time, it may be way below what they're capable of doing. Um, so it's exactly like you said, you want to be extremely well prepared and come in with a game plan. Um, especially because you're typically going to have coaches from, from China, Brazil, wherever, who are there helping and you want to have a game plan to give them so that they're on the same page with you going into the workouts or the camps. Uh, but at the same time, being being able to be tremendously flexible and understanding that, well, hey, this, we may be five minutes into something that I thought was going to be a 30-minute progressional segment and we may have to scrap it all together and go a different direction um, because you really, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get until you, you get there on the floor, uh, which again, it makes you 
in my opinion, it makes you just be a much better coach and better trainer to be able to adapt on the fly. And Hey man, what I put together, it's just not working. Uh, so we're going to have to go a different direction. And no, I think it's, it makes us all better. So like, if that were to happen to you, like how many kids do you typically have? Cause I know it's funny because I've had like camps and groups and whatnot. And I mean, I've probably 30 to 40 kids, nothing like too crazy, but like, I know that I always come like, that's one thing that I'm, I'm super, I'm super like, uh, prepared. You know, I, I love to be, right. I love to have everything. I write it down. I kind of want to talk to you about that, like kind of progressing in the conversation, but, um, just like, I really want to make sure I know what I'm doing and for how long I'm going to do it. And then for the length of time, sometimes it varies because like you said, maybe, you know, kids aren't quite getting it or maybe it's too easy or maybe it's not, you know, it's too hard, whatever it is, that could be flexible. But the, the general concepts I'm super prepared on. So if you get to, you know, a camp and you have however many kids you would have and a segment just doesn't work, like how do you just kind of scrap it? Or do you stay in the general idea of what you were going to go or do you sometimes go to something completely different? I try to stay, typically try to stay in the general scope. So it's not, you know, doing a 180 to an, an entirely different concept. Um, the same time for me, me personally, I always like to have a handful of, you know, a handful of drills in the back of my mind that you can always go to that are not, not necessarily simple, but a lot of people are moving and getting a lot of shots. So at least guys are active. Um, and you know, there've been times where you show up to a camp and they're supposed to be 40 and you have 80 and you have to, you know, find a way to adapt on the fly. Um, and kind of having, for me, kind of having that bank of two, three, four drills, whatever, uh, that again, like gets everybody moving. Um, I mean, it is what it is. A lot of times with camps, you know, there's going to be a small percentage who really, really are dialed in and want to learn and are going to be taught. Um, some kids are there and as long as they're moving, they're going to be happy. But the worst thing that, in my opinion, one of the worst things we can ever do is have one person working while 10 people at a basket are standing in line. Um, so kind of my philosophy with that, that, you know, that bank of three to five drills or wherever it may be is if I can pull one of those and, you know, get everybody at least moving for three to five minutes, making sure everybody's getting plenty of shots, it gives you kind of time to, to reassess and, Hey, here's the, here's the new direction that we're going to go. Um, cause, and obviously for me, one of the, one of the biggest things as well is never want to sacrifice the kid's experience. Uh, want to look professional, want to look organized and, I mean, it is what it is. If the kids are moving and they're getting shots, it typically looks like you know what you're doing, even if it is just a, a quick aside when you're actually trying to quickly put something together to moving forward. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm lately I, I've I've been talking to a lot of people about this too because it's just something that's kind of things are go like it's everything looks good like you said and it's going well. But like for me personally, something that I've been like freaking out about a little bit is I've been having you know bigger group sessions. So I typically tried to keep my group sessions kind of small because I hate when kids are standing. Like there's nothing right. worse than like you just said when there's one kid working and ten kids standing there. You know there, there's nothing there's nothing worse than that. And I, I I'm trying to kind of figure out different ways to. Lately I've been trying to break them up. Go like. If I have like a group of 12, go like two to a hoop, five, six hoops or, you know, whatever I mean, and kind of have one person doing ball handling and whether we're doing the mic and drill or, you know, something like as far as warm up stuff goes, just to get them moving because I I hate that. And and I know sometimes there's nothing you could do about it, especially kind of when you're teaching and you're, you're trying to show them and be super like particular on what you want. But that's been driving me 
crazy lately. So like, I, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> what what are some stuff that you do that kind of keeps them engaged? Because that's another thing then too. If they're standing, usually that means they're not really engaged. Sometimes they daze off. You know, you know how that goes working with, especially younger kids, you know, talking more towards younger kids. Like what, what are some of the stuff you do to kind of prevent that or, or help that? Right. You, and you just said it as soon as, as soon as kids get bored, they check out. Um, and uh, like you said, with a lot of, with, with younger kids, sometimes once you've lost them, you've lost them until it's time to play five on five. And then of course everybody gets interested. <laughs> yeah. Um, but trying to keep making sure that everybody's doing something. Um, and that can be as simple as, you know, maybe where the main focus is we're teaching to finish. And, you know, that's what we, that's what we taught. We brought everybody in and that's what we care about. Maybe they're, you know, doing a breakdown move into a finish, but the lines, there's so many kids that they would have to stand in line and, you know, maybe they do, they come right up the sidelines and they do ball handling reps and they, you know, whether it's, you know, through the legs cross or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, just trying to throw little things like that, you know, kind of into the pot, making sure that, Hey, even when you're going from your finish back to the line, the ball's moving, you're doing something. Um, if there are so many people that even once you do that, you're standing in line, even they may stand in line and do, do ball wraps. If you have, if you have side baskets, kind of like you touched on, you go to the side and you hit four quick Mikans before you come back in line. Um, and in my opinion, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be anything extravagant um you know it doesn't have to be the the quote cool stuff but as long as they're moving and doing something they're more engaged than they would be if they they go through their rep and then they come back and they stand um that's just kind of like you said it, it drives me crazy when when i do see that and i mean it's you can sit there and if you do kind of a two or three minute extrapolation for some, you know sometimes when kids are in workouts when they're just standing and you may be in an hour workout and the kids are actually only working for 15 or 20 minutes. And in my opinion, that's just, that's just not cutting it. Like let's, let's maximize these kids times. Let's be as efficient as possible, especially even if they weren't paying. Um, but you know, parents are paying for your time and they value what you're able to teach them and they value their kids time there in the gym. So let's, let's pack it full of as much as we can. Um, so that they spend much less time just standing around. I mean, they can, they can do that at home. Exactly. And, and that's my number one thing is I just don't want, you know, it to appear like it's because obviously if we know what we're doing and, and we see the kids doing it right and, and you know, they're progressing and, and they're doing the footwork right, it may not be super fast at first or whatever it is. So like from our perspective, it looks good. But from the parents perspective, they might be like, like you said, we're paying for this and, and he's standing or she's standing. So it's kind of like one of them things where you want to make sure that they understand that, that they're getting, you know, they're getting value out of this just at this particular time. They got to kind of stand a little bit because I know I do a lot, of, not a lot, everything by myself because I'm like super control freak about, you know, how the, how I do things and the way I do things. And I just would right. be afraid that, you know, if I had someone help me, you know, would they be teaching it or explaining it the way I'd want it, want it to be explained? And I know eventually that's going to have to change because it's going to make my life easier and, you know, it's going to be able to kind of open up new doors and new opportunities for me. So I don't ever make my groups too big, nothing that I can't handle on my own, but it's just, it, it, it's, it drives me crazy. It's something that I, I personally like want to get better at, you know, as far as being a little bit maybe more creative or, or whatever the case may be. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just so, it's so important, I think, to keep the kids moving. And I mean, 
especially working with kids. And I think the, the easy thing to say is, you know, kids should be focused. They should want to learn. Um, but at the same time, we are in the, the social media era where a lot of times kids are leaving our sessions and they're on their phones and they're, you know, snapping Instagram, Twitter, just one to the next, to the next, to the next. And I think it's important for us as coaches to understand that we, we are dealing with a different generation of kids. And in my opinion, it's our responsibility as coaches to see how can we still teach this generation uh, without trying to force them into what may have worked 30 and 40 years ago. Um, and, and Hey, and you're absolutely right. Like we kids should, should be focused and they should want to dial in, but that's just not the reality of the world that we live in right now. And, you know, it's, I think it's irresponsible sometimes for us as coaches to say like kids today, kids today, kids today. Well, kids today are a reflection of us, you know, who are raising them and us who are teaching them and us who are coaching them. So as adults, let's take it on out, you know, let's take it on ourselves to see how we can, you know, how can we respond? How can we still impact and teach while knowing that it is a different generation of kids and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's going to be difficult if they're standing around for 40 minutes for them to learn what we want them to learn. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And it's crazy that I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm 23 years old, so I'm young and I still look at kids nowadays and I think I was never like that, you know, growing up as far as like you were saying with like the social media day and age, like I rode my bike everywhere and I did this and I did that. And now kids, I don't even know if kids ride bikes. So like (laughs) it it is and I know that's kind of not what we were talking about but we're talking about like the general like the kids being different today and even my dad my dad was a coach when I was real younger and um he actually just got an opportunity to go back to his alma mater and uh take over that program and you know we were talking about it before he took the job and I was telling him I said you know dad kids are different today you know you're you know and he's like oh yeah I know I know and I'm like I dad, you know, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> discouraging you. <laughs> I was like, you know, I want you right. to, uh, you're excited. I'm, I'm excited for you. And I want you to take this opportunity, but you know, you're just going to have to be ready for, for a different, you know, a different feel of kids. Cause he was, he coached varsity basketball when I was real little. So he dealt with kids. Shoot. That was probably 30 some years ago. And, right. Um, so I was like, trust me. I mean, they're different. Because he's like, well, I coach, you know, you guys when you were in the fifth grade. I'm like, yeah, dad, but <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it's different. And and now he's been kind of through the ringer as far as like the summer went and things like that. And it's he's like, you're right, you know, these kids are different as far as that goes, and as far as how they play, you know, everyone wants to shoot from the white line and they can't. Right, right. You know, they, I mean, they can't. You know, and and, and that's okay though. You know, like I think when I think when you tell players that, like, hey, that's like, you can't shoot that far. Like they take that as like an insult. It's like I'm not being, you know, you know, ignorant to you. I'm just telling you that you can't shoot that far. Why don't you get on the line? And it's the same point value. You know, right? Like, absolutely. You're not you're not making your five point shot. You're making a three, just right. like if you were on the line. And I guess he, his particular team that, that they have a, a, a you know a couple kids that think that that's worth more, you know, whatever the case may be. So he's, he's going through that adjustment period, you know, like how you were saying with kids just being different. And and I think that even me being a young person, I could see that even from when I was younger, as far as, you know, everyone really wants like instant gratification and entitlement and something I brought up that I'll bring up to you too, about, um, kind of, kind of staying almost on like an entitlement, you know, uh, wave, 
I, I remember when I was in high school, I was lucky enough. I played four years of varsity basketball, so I was lucky enough to do that. But like when I was in high school, if you got to dress, like that was a big deal. And, right, and like, absolutely. If you were a freshman and you got to, you didn't even have to play. If you dressed, that was a big deal. And you know, I heard a story from a from a high school coach, and I actually work with their team in the summer. And he was telling me that um, he offered a, a freshman a, an opportunity to dress, and the, and the kid asked him, "Well, am I going to play?" And and he was like, "I don't, I don't think so." You know, but you know, it's going to be a good opportunity for you to kind of get the experience. You know, as a young player, you know, we think pretty highly of you moving forward. And and the, and the kid just straight up said, "If I'm not going to play, I don't want to dress." And I was oh. like. <laughs> I can't like I can't even believe that like that used to be such an honor you know like right, if you absolutely. got a jersey after the JV game or freshman game or whatever like that used to be a big deal and now it's kind of like man you know that's how it is now you know kids don't look at that as like something to you know work towards as far as just being able to take that you know varsity experience in and, and sit on the bench and be a part of that huddle and and all that like that's not a big deal anymore that to me was like when he was telling me that i was like wow like i i couldn't i couldn't believe it like i i can't imagine talking to my coach like and like like saying that to him oh you want to dress nah i'm good like i'd be like what like i would never talk to my coach that way it's just it's crazy like you said just staying on the the topic of just kids being different It's, it's it's different Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, it's, it's definitely a different generation. Um, and that's like you said with it's, you recognize that and it's, it's very clear. Um, and then for me, my, like I said, like my biggest thing is, you know, how can we, how can we as coaches and, and trainers still, still impact and still inspire and, and, you know, and adjust to that, um, so that we can teach the game that way, the way that we want. I feel like, for me, I feel like social media and everything, especially from us as coaches, it's so, you know, it's, it's often so negative and we all, we all recognize, like you were just saying, like it is a, it's a different generation of kids. Um, but there's such a, you know, such a, you know, kids today, they won't work. I can't this, I can't that like, well, you know, if, if we as coaches are taking a defeatist attitude, then that's, that's on us. Um, and you know, just like we tell kids, well, if you get cut, then, you know, come back, come back the next year and work even harder. If you're unhappy with your playing time, get in the gym, put in some time and, you know, earn more minutes. Uh, for me, for me as a coach and obviously like a former player, maybe it's, maybe it's having, having played that still have that, you know, have that attitude, but Hey, if, if we're not able to reach a certain player, like let's, let's try a different route. You know, if there's, if this kid seems to be extremely distractible, what can we do to still, to still help him? Um, and trying to just have, have with these kids, you know, an, in, an internal locus of control, because the last thing I want to do is, is fall into that, again, the defeatist attitude of, well, you know, kids today, you can't reach them. You can't teach them. Like they, they, they want everything, like whether or not that's the, that, you know, whether or not that is the case, like let's be a generation of coaches that knows that, but still is able to teach them. Um, Cause to me, that's everything. Like we have to be able to adapt. And if we can, then, you know, kids are going to keep coming back to us and, they're going to keep getting better and we're still going to be able to help them both on and off the court. And at the end of the day, like that's, you know, that's everything. Yeah, no. And, and I agree with that hundred percent. You, we, you can only complain so much and then you have to do something about it. You know, I, right. I, I know a lot of people that you just hit on that they're the exact same way, you know, oh, they, they don't want to work hard. So screw it. I don't want to work hard either. You know, right. it, it's like one of those. And it's like, you can't, be, you can't be like that. You know, like right, you, you're right. making a problem 
an even bigger problem by 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 acting like that. So I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think you just have to take it on, you know, with a positive attitude and and just kind of adjust and adapt and, and try different things, like you said, as far as how to reach them and and how to. And I think that's big, like with knowing who you're working with too. You know, like understanding kind of what makes them go and and what buttons to push. Because that, that, that's been huge for me, too, as far as working with players. Just kind of knowing, like, okay, if you kind of get on this kid a little bit, he's going to go a little harder. But this kid, you know, you may have to, you know, ease your way in. Because if you just kind of get on him, he's just going to shut down. So, I, right, I but, right. so, again, though, that's hard, though. So that takes time. So the easier right, thing to absolutely. do is just to say they're lazy, they don't want to work hard, you know, screw it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work hard either. So I, I think that right. I I agree with that 100. percent And I love the fact you said that because that's so true. But I kind of wanted to backtrack real quick. I meant to ask you before. So like, what was um being a walk on like at at Virginia? Uh so it was um, that was when Coach Leto was there, um, who is now at DePaul, and I know I know you walked on as well. And it's I kind of tried to go into it with the attitude of you know, no job is too small. Um, you know, when I decided that I wanted to try to, to try to walk on, um, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but they, they kind of said something about that. Like, you know, no, no job can be too small. And then now, now obviously at the university of Virginia, it's kind of, you know, servanthood is the mantra and you, you know, you serve the team and you serve the program. And I feel like that's what, you know, I can't remember if it was my dad or my high school coach was trying to instill that in me at that point when I decided, you know, to try to walk on, um, and then for me now, like doing, doing player development, um, I feel like going, you know, having gone through, you know, things as a walk on it, it just has provided so much value now, uh, to one, you know, kind of learning so young and I'm sure, you, you know, the same way with you, like no job is too small. Um, you know, you're never too cool for anything, but then at the same time, like learning, you know, play, you know, being around coaches and players at that level and, you know, being, being smaller and less athletic, having to even then, you know, start paying attention even more so than I did when I was in high school, the small details and like the intricate little micro skills that are taking apart, you know, taking part. Um, and at the same time, just from a pure experience, I mean, you know, you're sitting on, you know, sitting there watching, you know, the best basketball in the country. Um, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, being a walk-on isn't something that everybody can handle, but for me, you know, it tremendously impacted, you know, just, just the rest of my life in so many ways. And I, without a doubt, um, cause I had some other, you know, smaller school opportunities and whatnot. Um, but you know, having gone the walk-on route, I have no doubt that like I wouldn't be where I am today, um, without having done that. And for that, I'm just super grateful. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and I, I'm, I was in the exact same boat. I, I knew what I was, you know, getting into when, when I decided to walk on. And I, I don't think that, I think the biggest thing I took away outside of, like you said, with kind of no job being too small and being able to be around, you know, those type of athletes and those, you know, type of uh, coaches as far as just basketball knowledge and just kind of learning and taking away everything you could take away from is just the idea of just like that hard work mentality. Like if, if you're not working hard as a walk on, then why are you there? You know, right, like, absolutely. I, mean, I mean, like, I feel like that's one of the best things you could do as far as like what type of value, like it, like you said, even if it's like a small job, if you go 110% at it, like you're going to provide value to the team. And, and I knew that going in and I knew that I was going to provide my value in different ways. And 
I think that that was like outside of the things that you touched on was one of my biggest things as far as just I'm just going to outwork everybody and then eventually you know the scholarship guys are going to be like well this kid's not working me and I don't want to get outworked by this guy you know right right and that happened on a lot of occasions and and to this day I still talk to my you know my teammates and tell them you know, hey, remember when I, you know, when I beat you in this drill or beat you in the right. sprint or something, where we kind of laugh and you know it's funny. And I remember though at the time it wasn't funny. You know, <laughs> they were mad. Right. I mean, in particular, I could remember we did a, a rebounding drill, and it was just a one-on-one rebounding drill. And I, you know, the so I, you'd have if I'm on defense, it'd be a defense rebounding drill. I'd be underneath the hoop. We'd have a guy at the top of the key. Coach would shoot it. The guy would run in. You'd have to make contact with him and get the rebound. Now the the thing with this drill was it was called we called it a Yukon was if you didn't get the first rebound meaning that as soon as the shot missed if you didn't get it the offense got it and then it was one on one so the thing the thing that got me though especially in the beginning was if they got it they could keep scoring as long as they kept getting the rebound right so I remember you know who was like one of the first couple practices and and I had you know again I'm shoot I'm five foot six on a good day i mean i'm small and so i mean that we had i mean elijah mini he's i mean he's a legitimate seven footer and he was right. one of our best players that year we I had guys like rodney Pryor, you know different guys like that on the team and and when i'd get matched up with them it wasn't like oh okay you know switch you know it's it's ant you know hey get us you know right it was okay i'm gonna get a bunch of easy buckets from my team you know, and, right. and that's the mentality I wanted them to have, though. I didn't want that was my main thing. Like it was like, do not treat me any differently than anyone else, because I, I did not want that. And I remember it was like the third or fourth practice. It was early. And man, they just I just was getting scored on left and right because I couldn't get the first rebound and the, the <laughs> kicker too of the entire drill. So if you don't get the first rebound. When you do finally get the rebound, you got to stay in the drill because you gotcha. had to get the first rebound. So, I right, mean, right. I funneled through, like, the entire team before I finally <laughs> got the rebound. And then by then, you're exhausted. And then as the season went on, you know, I obviously got stronger and I learned some different tricks and whatnot that I used to do. But, like, it just I, I could vividly remember, you know, going through that and how much, like, tougher that made me as far as just being, like, Hey, you know, you're stuck. Figure it out. Like no one's right. been out of this drill. Like you're stuck. And and things like that are, are things that I really remember and, and I really will never forget from that perspective. And then, like you said, being around the athletes, I think I have a cool perspective of, you know, if a kid tells me, oh, I'm going to play here, I'm going to play there. It's like, you know, we're going to keep working, but, you know, that that's high level basketball. Because I mean, right. you're, in your situation, obviously you played at at a very high level bas you know basketball school. I was a mid major, and even those guys are freaks. And, right, and I think absolutely. sometimes the the people try to act like you know mid major. Oh, it's just mid major. It's like, man, do you understand how good those guys are? You know, at, right. at those mid major schools. So I think it's kind of cool from that perspective that that I could kind of be honest and say, you know, we're, we're going to keep working, but. You know they're pretty good. You know you got to get way better if if you want to you know be at that level. So just kind of having that experience and being able to relay that to the players I work with now has been huge for me. Right, for sure, for sure. But I, okay, so next thing I wanted to talk to you about your your advantage and your small sided games because they're freaking awesome. I love them. I love them. Every time you put them up, I I always steal them. 
I wanted to talk to you about kind of your thought process on how you come up with that because a lot of them are super unique like the hesitation one and 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 you know those those like things that I honestly would never think of in a, in a million years I'm a big big fan of those so like what's your thought process when you're making those or when you're coming up with those yeah so it seems like and I'm sure you get the same question um so many kids, you know, kids who work, who, who are in the gym a lot, you know, that middle school, high school age, a lot of kids are saying like, I, I train, I work on my skills. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not translating to the games. Um, and then and I think, you know, for a long time, the, the answer was always, you need to play pickup. You need to play three on three. Um, so, you know, just in, in doing research and then talking with, you know, with different players, you know, different coaches and different trainers and just trying to figure out, Hey, what is that? What is that intermediate step? How can we go from, you know, technically working on our skills to being able to actually do it in in five on five? Um, so obviously, short sided games aren't necessarily anything new. But hey, how can we? What are ways that we can specifically put you in boxes where you can only work on certain things? Um, you know, if if little Johnny is he's working on whatever his right foot, right hand finish, and he's you know, he's never, but he's never using it in games, then, Hey, we're going to put you in a box where you have to use this with the theory kind of being, if we force you into these boxes in your workouts or in your training, where you have to make decisions, um, you know, out of the ball screen or, or coming off of a pin down, or you have to use certain finishes or you have to finish in the paint. You can't use X amount of dribbles. Um, you know, then when that box is taken away, it seems like players are much more likely, um, and from what we've seen, they're much more likely to actually, you know, to actually use those things. Because when when five on five happens, and I'm sure you see it, instincts take over, and players go back to whatever they do, you know, whatever they do instinctually. Um, so in these short sided games with certain players, uh, with very high level players, a lot of times we'll try to, you know, take those instincts away to work on the things that, you know, maybe it's finishing with your left hand, or you're great with your pull up going left, or we're going to force you to go right. Uh, but then with players of all ages, we're going to, you know, force you to make, make decisions, um, in a more, it's still chaotic because it's a short sided game and decisions are being made, but it's kind of forced chaos as opposed to, you know, five on five or three on three, where if we just roll the ball out, a lot of times it, you know, becomes guys sizing up and ISO and shooting the five point shot you were talking about <laughs> earlier, yep. um, or the, you know, defense, everybody ends up in the paint and it's just a huge, you know, a huge cluster there. Um, but trying to create, you know, simulated environments for players that force them to either work on certain decisions, you know, certain finishes, certain, I hate to use the word moves because I'm not a big, you should learn a specific move. Um, you know, you should be super reactionary, but I guess that's kind of the word. It's all, it's all reactionary as opposed to strictly robotic. Um, and it's, I guess we've been, I've been huge on these for the last, year and a half or two years. And it seems like, you know, one, the, the results from players have kind of been tremendous, whether it's, it's younger kids or, you know, guys getting ready for, for the NBA. Um, but at the same time, because so much of it is, is live gameplay, you know, kids seem to, you know, kids and high level players both seem to really enjoy it uh, because they are playing. Um, and you know, all this is with the caveat that you have to have a foundation. You can't, you can't put a 12 year old who can't dribble and, come to a stop in a game and expect them to make decisions. But once you build that, you know, that skill foundation, um, you know, adding them in, uh, to workouts, it's again, like I said, it's the results seem to, 
to really be there. At the same time, kids seem to really enjoy it. And when they, when they see themselves getting better and they're enjoying getting better, it kind of creates a great combination for them to want to do it more. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the fact too, that you said that you get the question about, oh, why isn't it translating? And, and I, cause I, I get that more times than, than I'd like to admit. And it, it's, it drives me crazy that when I, when I see a player that has been coming, you know, for months and months and months and all summer and really working hard and, and really, you know, developing, you know, a particular skill. And it's like, man, that looks really good. And then I go watch them like this time of year and, and they look like a completely different player. Right. It, it's kind of like, why did we, you know, why, why did you come and wait and waste your time? <laughs> you know, well, right, why did you come right. and, and, and do all this and, and do that and spend all this time with me and, and really dial in if you're going to go in the game and not shoot or, you know, what, whatever right. it is. And, and that's kind of why I'm huge on your stuff because I've been taking a lot of stuff from you as far as kind of how to put players in, in situations to make them, like you said, do a, move quote unquote or whatever we want to call it because that has been I've seen I started doing some stuff that you had you know some various I got them written down somewhere some various drills that you put up on on social media with some high school kids that I've been working with like preseason wise and I've seen results like in the matter of a couple weeks I mean, so I w- it's kind of like I, I'm thinking about the summertime and how I tried to incorporate it more towards the tail end but I was kind of more focused on making sure, like you said, they had a foundation versus right, just trying to right. throw it in, you know, throw it at them and say, okay, we're going to do this. They're going to look at me like, what? So, like, <laughs> I, I kind of wish I would have had, you know, more time to, to work on it, especially after seeing the results of, of the high schools, you know, boys that I've been working with, how, like, how fast they've progressed. So, right. I, I definitely, moving forward, I definitely am going to incorporate that more, and I'm really excited to start doing it. But my biggest thing was, I'm always just fascinated by how, you know, guys like you come up with that stuff. Because it's like, when I'm, like, I understand, I obviously, when I understand the concepts and I understand the ideas, but it's like, if you just had me sitting down, I, would, I don't think I'd ever be able to come up with some of that stuff, especially that hesitation one. I think you had Ty Jerome, and I don't know who else it was, but it was someone else. It was something with... If he if he hesitates or if he picks up you know with the ball or something then it's live I can't remember the right, exact right. that one like obviously the hesitation we all know that move or you know again whatever you want to call it but it's kind of like I never would have thought to put that in like a one on one situation and and I love I love that because I obviously stole that and now <laughs> now I'm teaching it <laughs> but it's kind of like. It, that's just it's fascinating to me how you came up with that like that just shows kind of where your how how your mind is and how you're wired in terms of you know really really studying the game versus just simply you know watching I guess you could say right I think for me like I you know it's watching players and then like that you know sometimes you just come up with stuff I'm sure the same way like sometimes you just come up with stuff in you know in workouts um mm-hmm. you know hey like this time if your feet move well it's minus one for the defense and then and you can only you can only explain so much on social media, um, yeah. You know, limited characters or whatever, and then adding limitations. Well, after the hesitation, you have to, you know, you have to finish in the paint. Um, sometimes I'll do things with like if there's a group of three where each individual player will have a different rule that the other players don't know. Like I'll quickly pull, you know, a kid to half court where your rule is you have to score, you know, two in the paint and two from the mid range, and the next player who needs to work on 
you know, they need to work on finishing through contact. Like every finish you have has to be all your points have to be at the rim. Um, but I feel like, you know, in my opinion, there, there's so many polarizing topics in basketball and player development, you know, shooting, do you dip, do you not dip ball handling? You know, do you, do you ever do stationary stuff? Should everything be on the move? But there, there are so many different philosophies and guys are, you know, some guys are adamant about certain things. Some guys are adamant about others, but I think there's kind of a universal amongst coaches that we all, we all understand that players, players, you know, struggle to make decisions. Um, and at the same time, a lot of times, like they struggle to be as good in games as they are, whether it's in, in training or whether it's in pickup. Um, so how can we, you know, my kind of thought was how can we attack that universal where we, you know, you may, you may be a guy who says players should never dip. And this coach may think that players should always dip and blah, blah, blah. You know what you believe, what you believe. And if your players buy in, they're going to, you know, they're going to get better. Um, but with, uh, for me with the short sided games, it's, if you can make decisions, it doesn't matter what system you're in. Um, you know, that's a huge, a huge, huge thing to be able to do. Um, and if, if the things you're working on translate, you know, again, it doesn't matter what system you're in. If you're able to finish, then you're able to finish. And the, you know, the result speaks for itself. Um, and trying to do, obviously try to have relationships with high school coaches and, and whatnot. But at the same time, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. You may have, you may have a group of seven or eight kids and they're coming from different programs and you have relationships with all each of their coaches, but you know, their coaches may have drastically different approaches to how they want their kids to shoot or whatever. Um, so how much can we do that is applicable regardless? And whether it's middle school, high school, college, the NBA, if you can, if you can make shots, if you can finish, and if you can make decisions, like you're going to be successful. Um, and for me with, you know, with the short sided games, like that's kind of, you know, that's the impetus. Let's, let's work on those things that are universal regardless of program. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. My, my biggest thing. And like you said, because I'm, I'm exactly what you just said at the last point where you have a lot of kids from different programs and, and different concepts. And then you try to teach them something and, oh, well, my coach said to do it this way. And then you're kind of like you're stuck almost because you're kind of like, <laughs> you, you know, you don't want to say your coach is wrong <laughs> because, right. I mean, like you said, there's so many different ways and, and, and variations as far as how to do things and what people think are right. What people, I'm, I'm an open mind type of guy. I'm not a guy that I don't believe in absolutes. You know, I don't think right, you have to do this, you know, or you have to do that. I, now I have my ways that I think are better. You know, I mean, I think that I have some personal, you know, things that go, I would do it this way, but if you say, oh, well, I do it this way and, and I shoot better or I'd finish, whatever the case may be, I'm going to go, all right, you know, I could work with that. I'm not going to say, well, no, right. you're going to do it my way or else, you know, get out. <laughs> that, that's not, and I think, unfortunately, I think some people are like that. And that's kind of when you get your hands tied because I, same, literally, exact same situation you were just saying when you have kids from different, from different programs, you know, some same hand, same foot finish. Oh, oh my, my coach said that's not that's the wrong way to shoot a layup. Right, well, right. I mean, yeah, James Naismith, <laughs> you know, when he invented basketball, I'm sure he wanted you to jump off, you know, that inside foot. But guess what? I mean, nowadays, I used to call it the wrong foot layup. I don't call it that anymore because it's not wrong. You know, I'm right. not going to give it a negative connotation because it, it's not wrong. You know, it, it's it's just a different finish. So, like, right. when, when I get some of that, it's kind of like, I can't really say, you know, I don't want to bad bash your coach or, you know, anything like that. So it's kind of like, 
Well, all right. Well, just for now, just just try it. You know, <laughs> just, just right. work on it. And you know, if you never use it, you know, and your co- your coach gets mad, or because the one the one player told me a couple weeks ago that they were in a scrimmage and and uh, he did you know same hand same foot finish and his he made it and his coach got mad because that's not how that's not how you finish that's not the proper right. way to shoot a layup. <laughs> I'm like. And then when they, uh, you know, when they tell you that, you, you know, you're kind of got to bite your tongue because you don't want right. to, you know, well, your coach is an idiot. You know, you can't say that. So it's kind of right, like, right, absolutely. And then, but it's kind of like, also, like, what do you want me to do? You know, <laughs> literally this kid came running up to me, coach, coach, coach. I did, this, I did that finish we were working on, but, but my coach yelled at me. He said it was wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I said, well, the I said, number one, did you make it? Well, yeah, yeah, I made it. I said, was it like, uh, was it used in the proper context? Like, were you throwing off like the timing? Like, wh- oh yeah, it was great. I, I even put it, you know, above the square. And and I'm thinking, man, this sounds like you executed the finish perfectly. <laughs> like, right. I mean, I wasn't there, but I'm like, hmm. And he's like, yeah, but my coach, you know, what should I do? What should I do? And I'm like, man, I, I mean, if it worked <laughs> and, and you used it the right way, I think you should keep doing it, you know, I, and right. well, well, I don't want to get taken out. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, like, man, there's coaches that are really like that, you know, as far as being so set in their ways that, that they right. want things done. And a lot of the times, you know, it's the older coaches that coached, you know, years ago that have been at a school for for 30 years or, you know, whatever it is. So they're kind of used to that, you know, old school, you know pass with two hands you know all all right, that type of right. stuff which i get because that's the generation they grew up in but it's just like it's crazy to me in, in terms of that and and i've i've seen that more times than i'd like to admit but before right. i let you go i, I want to make sure i touch on one more thing because i know i don't want to take up too much of your time i wanted you to talk to uh, talk to me a little bit about your next camp because that 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 camp looks like it's freaking awesome every year and and it looks like it's super intense and and uh, the details and the coaches you have. So just, if you wouldn't mind, just real quick, just kind of break that down for me as far as kind of the, like the, the pre-planning and the execution and like what type of stuff you guys do. Yeah. So it, uh, so next it's a week long in the summer um, and it's invitation only where invitation only means that the kids have to, like kids have to apply to be a part. Uh, and, the, and the application is based more on, you know, leadership and those type of things, as opposed to like you kind of said earlier, like you don't send in a ball as life mixtape and you're a high level <laughs> player. So you automatically get accepted. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's a, uh, the entire week is geared towards like the, you know, holistic player development and, and holistic meaning, you know, the skill side, the strength and conditioning side, the, you know, leadership and, and team building. We have a, you know, director of leadership and communication who's there for the week and the kids literally spend, you know, a couple hours a day throughout the day, uh, you know, in the classroom doing, doing team building, doing communication exercises similar to, you know, what like C-level employees at a company may do. Um, then obviously on the court, there's a ton of work that goes, goes into, to, you know, the skill development side. And we do a ton of short-sided games. They obviously play throughout the week as well. We do situational tournaments, uh, but the whole week is geared, is geared towards development. Um, and then to your point, you know, about planning and whatnot, it's, it's gotten to the point as, as, it, as it has evolved, and this will be the seventh year uh, coming up, um, we have a, you know, a full curriculum for the camp where, where the goal is kind of, you know, any coach could be plugged into a station and they're going to know exactly what's, what's going on. So in the curriculum, you know, day one, we call them micro skill stations and we have 
these four stations are each 15 minutes and here here are the teaching points here are the focuses here are the drills with diagrams that we're gonna we're gonna be going through because uh, again like the goal is it's it is very holistic at the same time it's very progressive in that the beginning of the week we start with foundational footwork and then we work our way towards you know just basic penetrate and kick and then by the end of the week the guys are playing out of ball screens and pin downs with multiple actions um and it's but all of that is planned out, pre-planned, diagrammed. You know, coaches have the curriculum a month or so ahead of time. The expectation is, hey, if you're coming, you need to be extremely familiar familiar with this uh, to the point that you may be scheduled for station A. But if you end up at station B, you need to know, you know, you need to know what's going on. Um, we have a full-time strength and conditioning coach who's there for the whole week who do recovery, ice baths, everything. Um, kind of one of the goal obviously like I said development is a huge piece the leadership is a is a huge piece um and then at the same time because there are some higher level players there but then at the same time there are kids who are really trying to earn more playing time for their high school or trying to make their team and you know our goal for the week is we want these kids to have an experience that you know is just unrivaled by any other camp uh and then keeping and keeping it to you know 30 35 kids it's very, very intimate in the relationships that are built throughout the week. There are, you know, there are always roughly 15 coaches or so. So coaches kind of have responsibilities to make sure that they, you know, build a relationship with at least three or four different players. Uh, so it's become, when I first started it seven years ago, I was like, Hey, I, I want to do a week long overnight summer camp. Um, and since then it's kind of turned into, you know, it's just turned into something that's been pretty, pretty special. And we all look forward to every year because it's, you know, it, it is just so unique. Um, and it, when we say invitation only, like, hey, we're not just inviting high-level players. Like, we want truly dedicated kids, like the kids like you and I were who were trying to get better and wanted to maximize ourselves. Um, we're not just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about leadership. And one time in a huddle, we tell kids you have to lead and you have to communicate. Like, we're very, very intentional and we have exercises and all that's, you know, in the curriculum as well. What we're going to do, how you're going to do that. Uh, and it's you know, watching the transformation that week, not just skill wise, but some of these kids who come in, come in shy and at the end of the week are, you know, coordinator organizing a station, um, making sure everybody's where they need to be. It's, it's fun. And I, you know how it is, man, like working with young people is so phenomenal. And then this week for us is like the, the premier week of it all, because it's exactly, it's who you want to work with doing it, how you want to do it. And it's, it's just fun to watch the transformation and doing it with guys you love that, you know, it's second to none. Yeah, no. And, and the last thing you just said seems like that I, it was literally exactly where the whole time you were talking about it, it just sounds like it'd be a dream, you know, as far as, you know, working with kids that truly want to be there and, and truly want to get better and, and understand there's so many different things that go into development outside of, you know, on the court stuff. And, and that's something that I try to preach to like the kids that I work with as far as leadership, you know, and, and communicating and defense, you know, I, I know, I know that that's not really a big, you know, teaching point for us as far as player development coaches as, you know, as on court skill stuff, obviously you want to, you want to touch on it, but you don't want to take up an hour of doing defensive slides and, you know, things right. like that. So it, it's something that you want, you touch on, but you don't spend that much time on. So there's just so many different things I think than, the idea of, oh, I could score 20 or I could do this, I could do that. And, and that's why that camp, that every time I see it, I'm like, that looks like something that, you know, is super intentional as far as this is about development 
all around because I saw that on your story with the strength and conditioning and the leadership class, you know, classes and, and all that and the, the ice bath. And there's just, I think it kind of gives the players a glimpse too of like what, you know, playing in college would be like and playing, you know, at that next level because they're, it's like a full time job. I mean, you know that, right, I know absolutely. that, anyone that experienced it, you know, knows that. So I think that's awesome, and, and that's why I wanted to make sure I, I asked you that, because that's something I had in, in the back of my mind. I think we got to touch on that. But <laughs> last, last question for you before I let you go. So I always like to end with this, because I think it's a pretty good question. Um, what is one non-negotiable thing that you have to do every day that's not basketball-related? So just anything that just kind of when you wake up, you, you got to make sure you get done. You know, it, it could be anything, something small, something big. It doesn't really matter. Just kind of something you have to make sure you get done before you go to bed on a daily basis. It's not basketball related. Cause I know you, you do, I do, you know, a lot of people do, you know, bass film, all that prepare all whatever, but something away from basketball. Well, what is that one thing for you? Yeah. So, uh, obviously they're the generics. Like you have to spend time with your wife, kids, blah, blah, blah. Um, but one thing that we, uh, both my wife and I, we have to do every day before we go to bed, um, is we have a thankfulness journal. Um, so the last thing we do before we turn the lights off at night is we have a thankfulness journal and we let, we write down like what, you know, what we're most thankful for from the day. Um, we started doing that, geez, I guess four or five years ago. Um, and so now we have, you know, a journal and a half filled, filled up of little things for like, you know, thankful to have gone and gotten ice cream today. You know, that may have <laughs> yeah. been the, the cool thing that day or, you know, something, you know, much more extensive and much deeper. Uh, but it's kind of, for us, it's become a cool thing, especially now being able to go back and look like, Hey, three years ago, we were thankful for whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Um, it's kind of exactly what you were talking about there. Like you being an entrepreneur working for yourself, like you get so caught up in, basketball skill everything everything it's very i mean you know how it is like you might be working at eight or nine o'clock at night um but for us like that's become a non-negotiable hey when the day ends like we're gonna we're gonna sit down together we're gonna write this um and end our day on like an extremely positive note yeah i i love that i i i I do something in the morning as far as that goes with like journaling and whatnot just what i do is i know i've talked to a lot of different people and they have like i talked to matt Pugh, you know a couple days ago and he was talking about he writes like five things that he did that what he was thankful for and three things he needs to do better and you know i know i know people that do stuff like that i literally just have a notebook and i just write kind of what i'm thinking that day you know as far as what i want to get done you know how i'm feeling you know maybe uh you know yesterday or was a bad day today's gonna be a better day i got this 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 and you know that and all that stuff and just because it kind of just like i let my brain spill out on the paper you know, and some days right. I, I get a paragraph, some days I get a sentence, some days I get, you know, three pages. <laughs> right. It just, it kind of just depends on the day, but I think that's huge. And I, I love the fact you said that because I think journaling is one of those things that people kind of look at and go, oh yeah, but they don't understand <laughs> it. If you're consistent with it, it really does help as far as just kind of getting your, your thoughts on a piece of paper. It helps a lot. But I do, I do really, really appreciate your time, coach. I I know you're busy, you know, you got a lot going on. I want to make sure you tell people though, where to find you on social media and stuff so they can give you a follow because you're definitely worth the follow. So, so let them know where to find you. Yeah, both, uh, on Twitter and, uh, Twitter's at Damon Altizer on uh, Instagram. It's at Damon underscore Altizer. I should just be able to search the name and 
I don't think there are any other Damon Altizers out there, at least not that I know of. <laughs> Just click on the profile. If you see a bunch of great basketball stuff, you know you're, you found the right guy. But I, I really, really appreciate you, Coach, and I, and I definitely want to stay in touch with you moving forward. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pew Podcast. If you guys want to know when new episodes come out, head over to the Apple Podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're there, leave us a review. That would help the podcast grow tremendously, and I'd really appreciate it. Lastly, make sure you guys are following me on all social media. So Twitter, I am at Anthony underscore Pew 2. And Instagram, I'm at Anthony Pew 2. And that's Pew, P-U-G-H. I appreciate your guys' support, and we'll catch you in the next one.